Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the first chapter of Luke's Gospel. I'll begin reading with verse 39, and we'll read through verse 49. And this is the story of Mary right after she's had the encounter with the angel Gabriel, where he tells her she is favored and will have the child that God has promised. And her response is, let it be with me according to your word. As we come to this passage, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. Because you are gracious, we trust that you will speak to us. We are here, O God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us listen now for God's word for us. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, a child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb.'" And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. In the Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit, Nine-year-old Beth Harmon attends an orphanage where she is befriended by Jolene, who asks her, what was the last thing your mother said to you? I like to ask that question, she said. In addition to befriending Jolene, Beth also meets Mr. Scheibel, who teaches her how to play chess and discovers that she is a prodigy. As a young adult, after leaving the orphanage behind, Beth hits the national and then international stage as she strives to become the best chess player in the world. Her success in chess is equally matched by her lack of success in relationships as this quiet, troubled girl lives life with little connection to others save the pieces on her chessboard and the substances on which she is dependent. 
Fast forward a couple of decades, and Beth is at the top of her game in chess, but her life is directionless and falling apart. And out of the blue, Jolene shows up, knocks on her door. Jolene has been following her friend's rise to stardom and is surprised by how undone her successful friend really is. She says to Beth, I'm here because there was a time when you were all I had and I was all you had. I'm here now because you need me. You know, even when the world looks at us and assumes we've got it all together, we know that inside we're fragile, questioning. None of us escape the times of testing We know it acutely at some moments, but it's true all the time. We can't get through life on our own. The angel Gabriel broke the news to Mary that God was going to do something pretty amazing. But God pays little attention to the cultural expectations of when it's appropriate to have a child. And so this gracious news that Mary receives at the same time means she will be dependent upon God if she's going to survive this. In a picture of courage and faithfulness, she simply responds, let it be with me according to your word. And before Gabriel can slip back through the clouds or whatever it is he slips through to depart, Mary does something unsurprising, really. It could be expected. She seeks out a girlfriend. In this case, it's her cousin Elizabeth. They form a unique sorority as Elizabeth is also in an out-of-expected-season pregnancy. I imagine that she had long ago given up the dream of being a mother. All of us in warm one form of, or another, we face the dreams of our youth and realize that some of them, they just aren't in the cards. We, we learn in time to push those dreams to a less passionate corner of our heart. We We learn to release our grasp as if those dreams were possessions that we must return for. They never belong to us anyway. I imagine Elizabeth had come to a point where she thought having a child would have been a nice thing, but it just wasn't for her. But then here she is with wrinkles etched on her face and age spots on the back of her hands, and she's struggling with cravings and swollen ankles. Who would have thought? When they see each other, Elizabeth barely gives Mary a chance to get a word in edgewise. Friends can be that way when they connect with one another after a long time apart. And then Mary sings. You know, the Scripture, the scripture says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a tune we have yet to learn, a rhythm we have yet to master. A new song might be the perfect song for a new baby, particularly this baby. But that's not what Mary does. The song she sings is an old song. 
Her song is one of those songs that comes with memories attached, and you can almost hear the collection of voices that have sung it before her. It's a song like, We Shall Overcome, or Amazing Grace. It's a, it's a song with history. Mary sings of a new day, a promised day that we have never seen, but toward which she and all of us continue to live. It's a song that God teaches us to sing. And for Mary, it's a cover song. And she learned this holy melody from Hannah. Hannah, Hannah lived a thousand years before Mary, and like Mary and like Elizabeth, Hannah knew what it was to depend upon God to survive. Hannah knew heartbreak. Hannah knew about dashed dreams, but she also knew how to lean into her faith and to trust her life to the living God and never lose hope. And that's what she sang about. And when Mary covers Hannah's song, she she transports Hannah into the sisterhood, into the room with that she shares with Elizabeth. My friend Chandler is a singer. One of the songs he sings is, The Great Storm is Over. He and I have been in a preaching group for, well, for me, over 30 years now. If I've learned anything about this craft of preaching, I've learned it from that group. But the other thing about that group is we, we love each other, and we've been together long enough now that different times, different ones of us have found themselves in the midst of the storm. There have been some at times who've worried about their children, their health, or their heartbreak, or their lack of direction. And we've prayed about that. And then together we'd sing, the great storm is over. There are others who shared at time worries uh, about frightening illnesses or about withering marriages or problems in their own ministry. And we'd pray, and then we'd sing, Hallelujah, the great storm is over. The hardest time was when our friend and my mentor, KC, died. The next time we met, we wept, we prayed, and we sang, Hallelujah, the great storm is over. Lift up your wings and fly. Now, I know you'll understand when I say that every time I sing that song, in one way or another, all of those people are transported to whatever room I am in. It's a song with history and community. You know what I'm talking about. If I understand the text, when Mary sings, she, she brings Hannah into the room with her and with Elizabeth. And here's the point. This young girl, this faithful and courageous girl, and she is both of those. She is also wise. She is wise enough to know that the life God calls us to live is not something we can navigate on our own. We need our people. Mary needed some girlfriends, and not just anyone. She seeks out Elizabeth, and she reaches back and includes Hannah because these are women who know how to walk with God.
Luke has already told us that Elizabeth, she's righteous. And, and she is attentive to the ways of God. And Hannah is tenacious in her faith. She, and Mary sees the life which God has called her to live. And she knows she needs these women. She needs teachers and mentors and friends, a sisterhood. And Mary chooses wisely. She sits with people who know how to be attentive to God. We all need people because we can't walk through our faith alone. We need friends. We need teachers, mentors. So who are your people? Who are they? Who are the people you learn the faith from? Who has taught you to sing the holy songs, if you will, the songs the saints have taught us, the, the songs that have carried God's people through, through the ages? Who has lived grace and hope and faith in your own life? Who are your people? I'll tell you some of mine. A couple of times a year, two or three times a year, I I sit down and I reread Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. I love that letter. Those of you who are studying it now in our Village Connect groups, you, you know this, but, but Paul writes this letter when he is in Caesar's prison, and rather being a letter that reflects frustration or exasperation or even defeat, the letter sings like a letter of joy. On every page, the apostle exudes joy. And I read it in awe, and I read it in humility, and I'm inspired by this. And I, and, and I pray, Brother Paul, teach me. Teach me how to be a person of joy, even in a difficult circumstance, e even in a hard day. Teach me to be a person of joy. He's one of my people. And I have others. I had a Zoom call this week. <laughs> I had a Zoom call with some friends. And when we got off that call, I realized every time I talk to them, which is not often enough, but every time I do, my faith is strengthened. My heart is lifted. My purpose is clearer. Who are your people? Who shows you what it looks like to trust in God? If I understand the lesson this amazing teenager from centuries ago is teaching us, it is that we need to choose our people wisely. So do this for yourself today. Take some time. Do it today or, or this week. Take, take some time and reflect. Who are these people for you? Who, who has shown you grace and wisdom and hope and faith? Who, who has shown you what it is to love even in a difficult circumstance? Who has shown you what it is to stand tall in the midst of the storm? Who has shown you what it is to trust in God? Think about who those people are and then make a plan to spend time with them. 
because life is not going to stop throwing us surprises, and we're going to need to remember what it's like, what it means to be attentive to God in the midst of those moments, to remember the songs, if you will, that have carried the saints through the ages, that we might know how to cover them in our own circumstance, and to remember who we need in the room with us, even if they have to travel thousands of miles or thousands of years to be with us. Because none of us can live the life God has called us to live. None of us can do that alone. And thanks be to God, Mary has taught us none of us has to do it alone. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.